This is EdTech Weekly. I am your host, Ricky Zager, and joining me as always for this episode, episode 69, is Christy. How are you doing, Christy? I'm doing pretty awesome today, Ricky. Thanks for asking. Good to be here. Well, I'm glad you're doing awesome. It's a good show to be doing awesome on because it's actually entitled Helping Students Be STEM Awesome. So I'm glad you're doing awesome. And we are, of course, super happy to have a guest host with us. Since we're going to be talking about STEM, we figured that Ashley Pereira would be perfect for the show. She's got a website that we'll talk about in our featured segment. Ashley, thanks for joining us and making your second appearance on the EdTech Weekly Show. Thanks for having me back, guys. I'm doing awesome over here, too. Yeah, well, we're glad you're here, and we're glad we can all hear. We had a little audio issues as we were beginning, so I'm glad we're on the same page now. And again, our show is all about giving your students the chance to be STEM awesome, which means lots of STEM in the news this week. And our featured segment is going to be about helping your students learn more about possible careers in STEM. And that's where Ashley's going to come in and give us her expertise. But first, we begin the with the EdTech News Rundown. In our first story, GMA Network reports on Google's attempt to give students the information they need to be responsible internet citizens. Google is attempting to improve digital citizenship of students by involving parents, teachers, and, oh yeah, making it fun. The name of the program, Be Internet Awesome. And if the name isn't cool enough for you, its features certainly will be. The program focuses on personal security and safety, not being fooled by fake sources, super relevant now, being kind to others, and of course seeking trusted adults when you are in doubt. And they also have a cool game called Interland, and that lets students explore these topics in a fun way, uh, because of course they do. You know, it's Google. That's what they do. And they've also included a lot of resources for teachers and parents. So if you are a teacher, parent, or student, you should definitely check this out. Christy, did you have a chance to check this site out at all? I didn't. I thought it was pretty awesome. What do you think? Yeah, I did. I went and took a look at it, and you're absolutely right. You know, if Google's going to do it, you know, they're going to make it fun and engaging, which is how we are going to hook our students with this topic. So, yeah, very important. And, you know, I was just talking about digital citizenship with our one to one teachers today. And I'm excited to explore this resource more and maybe offer it as an alternative to a couple others that we use, um, Digital Passport at the elementary level and EverFi at the high school. Um, But um, good job, Google. It looks to be uh, fun and engaging and could be a great resource. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I was just going to jump in and say I'm super glad that you already have um, some things in place for that, which is really cool because I know a lot of people unfortunately may not have the digital citizenship stuff in place. So uh, kudos to you, Christy. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, and that's in our one-to-one classrooms with computers, but it's so important to do it with all of our students, which is a bit more of a challenge um, because you know, the, stu- the things students face online is, is pretty serious these days. So, all right, next up, um, Forbes reports on how a 15-year-old teenager built a profitable ed tech business in one year. Ian McHugh, now a 17-year-old, is an entrepreneur and an economics major at UNLV. McHugh founded SparkSkill in the fall of 2016. SparkSkill is an education technology coding camp that provides top-notch technology summer enrichment programs for students entering fourth through 12th grade in Summerlin, Las Vegas. Forbes sat down to interview this impressive young man and it is fascinating. One particular thing that stood out was how he realized a traditional high school was not for him and he went to a more progressive STEM-focused school. 
you should definitely check out the article and full interview. We'll have the link on edtechweeklyshow.com. So Ashley, our guest today, this must make you happy as someone who wants students to explore the possibilities of STEM. What do you think about this guy? I think it's awesome. I'm glad that he saw what he loved and did something with it. What makes me a little bit, I don't want to say worried, but I feel that there is kind of that growing trend that you mentioned that a lot of students are realizing that traditional high school is not for them. I mean, our graduation rates are still good. We're still churning out well-prepared students, but a lot of them are getting bored and I feel like just kind of jaded along the way. So I'm glad that he was able to find his passion and develop his passion. And I wish that there was a way for him to do that in his traditional high school. Not saying that it's a bad thing to find what really fits or has to be the perfect fit for everyone. But I think our high schools, middle schools even, can do a really a better job, I would dare to say, in preparing kids to follow and pursue their passions within the school. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And I think we fall short on that. Our our mission of, you know, college and graduating high school, graduating college, moving on to higher ed than that even, um, is sort of gets in the way sometimes of what students really need and what they're interested in. And we need to have more opportunities for them for sure. I agree. There's a famous, one of my favorite TED Talks by Ken Robinson about schools killing creativity. And to me, your passions, whether it's STEM related or not, should be to cultivate that, not to kill it along the way. And I think we have some work to do there. That's what I've been trying to do myself. So we'll talk more about that. And on a related note, I have another story found from niblets.com, which again, a really cool name. <laughs> and they're reporting on a coding kit that was unveiled at ISTE 2017 in San Antonio last month. And the kit is called Little Bits, and it's designed to help kids learn to build games more high-tech projects and learning to code. And the coding uses Google's Blockly language, which is similar to Scratch. And it allows kids to use Block rather than text-based coding. And the code kit comes with four games to invent and code. They, they seem pretty kid-friendly, like Ultimate Shootout, Hot Potato, Rockstar Guitar. Seems like things kids would find interesting. And after completing those, they can use the parts that come in the kit, like USB power, buttons, dimmer, switches, sensors, all of those kind of gadgets to get even more creative. And from what I found, you can pick up individual kits for your kids at Barnes & Noble or contact Coding Bits directly for bulk pricing if you're a teacher or administrator. So I thought this was cool because it's an easy way for schools to help kids follow and cultivate their passions within the school setting, whether it's a traditional school, magnet school, whatever you have. So I liked that. The only thing that I hesitate with things for this is I never, I don't want STEM being like something extra, that you have to get a kit or you have to have some kind of cool gadget or you have to make something that makes this noise or you're like, you know what I'm trying to say? I don't want it to ever seem like it has to be extra. I would love for STEM to be viewed more holistically and more of a mindset than as something extra. I can just buy this kit and now I'm doing STEM. To me, that's artificial. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I think to me where this kit probably is awesome is for parents more than for teachers and for schools, because you're right. The ultimate goal should be to, to be ingraining this stuff in the curriculum. And it's not, it's a much easier to say than it is to do, but that's the end game is 
making this stuff relevant in as many different subject areas as possible and showing them like to it in a way that makes sense in their educational journey. Uh, you know, you got to excite them sometimes though. And I think that would be an interesting way to get parents involved and make them go, look what you can do if you learn this stuff. So figure out ways to learn more when you're at school about it. And maybe that's a better way to do it. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you get somebody excited about something and then they can find their own passion, I'm good with it. But I agree on a holistic level that it needs to be more ingrained in just everyday school. I'm with you. All right. Let's get to our last story. And this is an EdTech Magazine story and explains how the University of Michigan is empowering Detroit students with an after-school program. The program is called the Michigan Engineering Zone, and it offers STEM experiences to underserved, I almost said undeserved, underserved students in the Detroit area. The MEZ, as it is called, claims to educate and inspire Detroit's youth to become leaders in transforming their city, schools, and communities through science and technology, according to their website. They recently received a $250,000 grant from Google to expand their makerspace and robotics laboratory. The program is certainly meant to increase student enrollment in UM, University of Michigan, in their computer science curriculum, of course. But Google is also hopeful that with this money, it's going to help produce more industry-ready graduates in STEM. Um, and I know they're going to need them. And we've seen the numbers of how we're going to be short millions of you know STEM and, and computer science majors and all that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting program. And I definitely encourage you to check out what they're doing, maybe how they started and you know, maybe give it a try. Start something smaller in your community to help your students get more exposed to STEM and help them be more prepared for a career in STEM. I really like the concept of expanding, or I shouldn't say expanding, featuring your local area and communities in ways that you can transform those areas and make them better using this. That's pretty awesome. And your local community is often your best source of grant money and fiscal sponsorship and we can talk more about that absolutely as as you are very well versed with that as well and i don't know if there's a better way to really segue into our featured segment with ashley here uh because she does operate and create the website career um and as a careers in stem or career Career. Okay, no I S. thought so. Yeah, I have an S in the show notes, and I'm always positive as I was doing it earlier this week and looking at it that there wasn't. So, career in stem.com is where you want to go. Uh, before we do get to that, real quickly, though, I want to remind everyone to email the show. Uh, that is, after all, how Christy and Ashley both came to be on the show. They emailed the show. I believe, Christy, your first show was a coding show as well, right? I think so. Yeah, we were talking about it and um, talking about using the spheros in the classroom. So it is a great way for people to get connected to our show. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of these common bonds and passions. And Christy, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week on the show at the end of the show. But it's really cool that we have three different people who've never physically met from different areas with different experiences, but are just sort of brought together by EdTech. And that's exactly what we'd like to reach out and have you all reach out to us, edtechweekly at gmail.com be a part of the show and we're going to need people with featured segments who know what they're talking about like Ashley does. And uh, yeah, email us, come be on the show. Why not? It's fun. We're actually pretty fun to hang out with online. I would say. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Most definitely. We're, we're the raddest if I may say rad. All right, let's move on before I get myself into more trouble here. But uh, the discussion segment today, again, we're going to talk about some STEM and we're going to talk with Ashley about her website. And of course she's, she's the guru for grant writing as well. She's a jack of all trades, but 
I thought maybe it might be a good idea as we start off and we talk about STEM. We've been saying the term STEM a whole lot, and I don't think you should be upset if you're not really sure what STEM stands for. I know that there are a lot of people out there in various journeys when it comes to ed tech. If you're just starting and haven't been involved with STEM before, uh, maybe, Ashley, since you are into this, maybe you could elaborate a little bit on STEM, what it stands for, and just what it overall means to you. Yeah. So there are a lot of misconceptions and it is, I mean, education in general, just so much jargon, so little time. So literally STEM is science, technology, engineering, math. So literally it is those discrete concepts. My argument, and I think, I guess the more common framework, the way I would like to frame it, I guess, would be a mindset more than anything. So STEM is a way to view and interpret and make sense of your world. So you're using science, technology, engineering, math together to make sense of what's going on around you. So yes, it does involve those discrete topics, but to me, it's more of a mindset. I like to get people to think of it as a way to view the world rather than for discrete topics. So Ashley, how do you think uh, we get our students started in STEM? So this is something that I've been noticing now that I'm a parent. So before I had kids, I have a two year, almost two year old, almost four year old. Before I had kids, it was, I never really thought about this question. So it's a great question, Christy. How do we get our students started in STEM? Because to me, it should start basically from birth. And I realized that when I had, now that I have my two little kids. So before I had kids, it was kind of like, I'm a classroom teacher. I'm going to just teach you science because I'm a certified science teacher. That's what I know about. I don't really know that much about engineering, technology, math. How do I even bring that into my classroom? So to me, what I've found now in, in hanging out with my kids more and having a more comprehensive view of youth in general, I guess, is that it really starts young. So for me, and I guess because I'm a science teacher, so I always just approach it from this lens, I guess this STEM lens, this mindset. So my son was playing with blocks one day and I was like, you know who plays with blocks? And he was like, I don't know, other kids. And I was like, yeah, but also civil engineers, they build <laughs> towers, they make bridges. And then, so now let's look at some examples of things that civil engineers have built. So we looked at Leaning Tower of Pisa and we tried to build that with our blocks or the Golden Gate Bridge and we tried to replicate that with the blocks and spaghetti, like things like that. So it starts really young and to me, getting started in STEM is just cultivating that mindset of using science, technology, engineering, math to apply it to your real life. Because if you just read about civil engineering one day in high school, that's completely, by then you haven't had your whole life to develop those STEM skills, that STEM mindset. So to me, it starts very young and it's just naming it, making it clear that, yeah, you're playing with blocks, but civil engineers do that. Or yeah, we're looking at bugs in our backyard, but entomologists do that. So it's not that you're doing anything different, you're just naming it through that lens of STEM. That's really yeah, cool. I like how you are, you know, the career focus with a four-year-old on block building. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's not different. It's not extra. And that's too often I feel that STEM is kind of seen as something extra or different that you have to do in addition to what you're already doing. My son was already building the block tower. I just said civil engineers do that too. So I'm not adding a new 
task. We're just naming the task. Yeah, you're making it relatable to him in that way, which otherwise he may not think of it that way, which is really cool. And I have a just turned four a few days ago year old, and um, I definitely am going to use that um, line of thinking, what you're talking about right now. It's, it's exciting to me to think about it that way because – the one thing I've learned, and I'm sure you too as well as parents, is that they get things a lot sooner than you ever think they do. They understand things a lot sooner before they can even communicate with you. They can understand. And and so, you know, giving them the opportunity to learn extra things on top of things that they're already doing, I think is awesome because their brains are working so fast. They want that. They crave that. So that's really awesome. Now, is this part of the reason or, you know, when you decided to do this career in STEM website, um, obviously being more forward thinking when you have children and it changes sort of your perspective. Is that one of the reasons why you did this? And, and what are you hoping to do? What's your vision for this site career in stem.com? Yeah. So I guess it did. I actually got off the ground once I finally had kids and had a little bit more time now that I'm not in the classroom full time. So it has become my side project, so to say, although it takes the majority of my time anyway. <laughs> but I, it started, the idea for it began when I was a teacher. I was teaching high school and I taught in an inner city school district my, the years that I did teach. And relevance is always really hard. It was always a, something I struggled with because I taught ninth grade physical science. So how do you make things like relevant to a ninth grader in an in inner city that I mean they just have no background knowledge they have no prior experience I mean they should in the ideal world but how do you make these things relatable and I was racking my brain and then as I thought about it I could do things in the community I could do current events and that's all great but at the end of the day the purpose to me for high school is to prepare you to go out and get a job you don't know what those jobs are, how the heck do you know what you want to do? So I used careers as the relevance piece while I was teaching high school. So if we were doing a conduction convection radiation lab, now the conclusion was your iPhone works in part because of conduction. It's conducting the heat away from your fingertip to the metal in your phone, which is then conducting it to the other metals. And I mean, I'm not a material scientist, so I'm probably completely botching the technology behind that. But that's an example of how I integrated careers into the curriculum to make it relevant to my population. And at the same time, I was making it relevant, but I was also at least exposing them to careers, especially in inner cities or rural locations. If you've never met a hydrologist, how do you know you want to be that? If you've never even heard of information technology, how do you know that you can make $90,000 with just an associate's degree, you know, like things like that? So I started it because I saw careers as a really powerful way to get relevance into the curriculum, into what I was already doing, that it didn't have to be something different. And that, and this idea is really the, the embodiment of that. And that's what the resources are on my website is resources for students and teachers to access career information that's related to what they're already doing. That's um, interesting, Ashley. I'm just checking out your website right now. You have so many great resources there. And one question I have for you is we hear a lot these days about girls in STEM, you know, girls who code, things like that. What are your thoughts on programs specifically targeting girls and um, getting more, more interest started there? I think it's really important. I think a big thing for 
girls programs is that is a really big issue, I think, when it comes to in-person programs. The in-person programs I've seen where they're both genders, sometimes the girls do, and this is just a reflection of society in general, but they're a little bit less confident when there are more confident people in the room. And I think it really, that's part of why I did this website too, is all my programs are delivered online. So next week I'm starting a space summer camp. We just finished up an engineering summer camp a couple weeks ago. So all the programs I'm doing are online and they take away that the, the working with other groups piece. But I think advocating for girl-only programs is powerful. And a lot of the grants, a lot of the nonprofits that I work for are targeting specifically confidence building for girls. So that's a huge, that is definitely a huge push, is targeting confidence, especially among girls. And I think that's really important for in-person programs. That's super cool. Yeah, I mean, I agree that there, it's it's funny to watch the shift. Like when I was in school, I was doing some computer science classes and I wanted to be a programmer, but I fell short because I didn't feel like I fit in socially. It was very, um, I don't want to say I was cool, but I wasn't quite as nerdy as people who were into coding and programming back then. And it has become a much more mainstream, cool thing to be now. And so I think that stepped it up. But then now you're talking about getting more females involved and you have to do certain things to target that as well. And I think that's really super cool. And I noticed you mentioned in that statement there, you talked about grant writing. And I know that's what you came on originally now uh, to the show for. Um, is that something that you are featuring as well on this site? Are you able to uh, point people in the right direction to help them with the grant writing process for any of these STEM type programs? Yeah, so it actually has been kind of a natural segue for me because a lot of the nonprofits that I work for in writing grants are now participating in my programs. So we're kind of working together. So the nonprofits are getting the grants and then part of the program is part of my curriculum. So we're kind of working together, which has been really cool. It was just a really natural segue. But I'm also offering free grant research and grant writing for anyone interested in bringing the program to their school as part of an overarching program. I don't want it to just be write a grant to get my program. I want it to be write a grant to be able to do a bigger more concrete serving lots of people type program yeah that sounds that sounds yeah. super cool and that we're we're kind of running short on time so well i'd like to put you on the spot now and, and ask would you like to come back again in the near future and maybe we could do a segment that's really more about resources uh whether it be web apps or whether it be apps for iphone or ipad or anything like that things that we can actually start letting our children or students use to help them get more involved as a part of our curriculum. Would you be willing to do that? Of course. Of That's course. awesome. All right. Now she said some really great things. You should definitely check out career in stem.com. Follow her on Twitter at Ashley Pereira CT or at career in STEM. You can get some more information about these camps that are coming up. Very cool. I'd also like to get some more uh, intel on how those camps work and what you offer and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we can work that into the segment as well because those sound really cool. Um, uh, follow Christy at Christy M. Warren or me at Four Tech Teachers. And if you do follow me, you probably noticed this week I've been making a much more concerted effort to be on social media, interacting, posting stuff. 
And there have been some cool interactions where people have shared like their favorite podcast app with a screenshot of like EdTech Weekly on there too. So we're definitely uh, moving the needle social media wise, and I'm super excited about that. Um, Christy, you know yes. I've been putting you on the spot recently for ending the show. Do you have anything to say to the good people as we end the show today? Well, I feel like we have a very informed guest here today who we really should defer to. But Ashley, I have a question for you. This is totally personal, but I got excited about your camp that you're starting next week. Um, Explorers in Cease, is that what it is? My daughter's nine. Is, that, is she old enough for that camp? I would say right now my target has been middle and high school. And that's only because that's what I've been a teacher for. <laughs> so elementary is a new beast for me. But I would love to have her, and I would love to try it and learn from her if she's willing to learn with me. All right. I'm going to check it out. So, yeah, that's my ending tip. Check that's, out Career in STEM. <laughs> that's, hey, that's a great tip, and it's awesome. This is one of the things that excites me about this uh, project with EdTech Weekly is, like, bringing people together and new connections. And hopefully this works out something to get your daughter more involved in this. And it's super cool, and I'm super excited. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being on the show. You can email the show, edtechweekly at gmail.com. Get on the show, just like Christy, just like Ashley. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time on the EdTech Weekly Show.